Hello, my friend. You are listening to episode 17 of Tidepod. Did you know that Albert Einstein once said, the only real valuable thing is intuition? I mean, now that is a heavy statement, and I'm sure you know many people that would agree that intuition is this sense of knowingness and trusting ourselves that we should really rely on. In fact, I know that the Harvard Business Review cited that 85 to 97 percent of professionals say they actively use their intuition to make hiring decisions in some way or another. But here's the thing. There is also plenty of research that proves that we as humans aren't actually the best at choosing the right people for the job. Now, that doesn't bode well if 85% of us are actively using our intuition to make what we think is the right hire, now does it? Now, more often than not, we do choose people who feel like the right fit, whatever that means to us. And I'm just going to put it out here. If you've noticed the title of this episode objectivity plus intuition, your magic formula for hiring amazing people, you've already realized I am not advocating that you throw out your intuition completely. Why? I mean, frankly, intuition is a subconscious process of relying on all of the information and experience that we have stored up in us. And it may not be conscious, but that doesn't make it altogether wrong either. So today I'm going to talk about the case of intuition when it comes to hiring specifically, because although it has its amazing benefits, it can also be slightly unreliable and potentially problematic. So we're going to break all of this down and we're going to talk about intuition and trusting your gut and what the heck your intuition could actually have in common with implicit bias and how we can introduce objectivity into your hiring decisions without throwing away your intuition completely. This is a very cool, very research-oriented, but also soul and spiritually oriented episode, and I am ready ready to dive right in. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to Tie Pod, a podcast crafted by Tiana Ty to help you purify your purpose in business, love, and life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, dog mom, or just getting started, you're bound to find value as Tiana dives into meaningful topics each episode. So, settle in, Turn up the volume and welcome your host, Tiana Tai. I've got to take just a quick second to ask you for a serious bit of support. TiePod would not be possible without your reviews, your comments, and just all of the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far. So if you haven't already, please go on, hit subscribe to make sure you're not missing out on any of this good and free content, and also be sure to leave a review. You may think that I'm not looking at them, but I swear to you, my friend, I read every single review and it just makes my heart so happy. So if you haven't already done so, Hit pause, leave a review, and then let's get back to the goodness. Now, there are so many schools of thought around intuition and its place in business that we could seriously debate back and forth for hours about this topic if we aren't careful. 
But per usual, I have done my research from IO psychology to psychology to honestly some spiritual beliefs, and I'm coming to you with a really strong perspective here. So it is really tempting for me to completely nerd out on all the research and statistics and all those fun nerd things, but I actually came across a few quotes during my research, and I really think that these capture the essence of what it means to use your intuition wisely. My own intuition, pun intended, told me that these quotes would actually help us begin this conversation and chat about this topic on a deeper level. So here are the best three quotes that I came across. The first is by Joyce Brothers, an American psychologist who said, trust your hunches. They're usually based on facts filed away just below the conscious level. The second is Jonas Salk scientist and discoverer of the literal polio vaccine who said, intuition will tell the thinking mind where to look next. And last but not least is Florence Scovel Shin, author, illustrator, and spiritual teacher who said, intuition is a spiritual faculty and does not explain but simply points the way. Wow. So I want to tell you why I gravitated towards these three quotes, these three perspectives on the power of your intuition. And the first reason is these uh, quotes, none of them discredit the fact that intuition is an extremely quick mental process that compiles all this information stored up in your subconscious and communicates it back to you sometimes in a split second via like that gut feeling, right? Second, they all acknowledge that intuition is something a little bit separate, a little bit unique from the thinking and conscious mind. And third, they all do a really good job of alluding to the fact that intuition is one aggregated piece of information that while we can trust, we should still be probing for more, right? So I want to highlight again that very last quote where uh, Florence Scovel Shin said, it does not explain, but it does point the way, which means that there is room for more probing and discovering based on your intuition. And I'm going to leave that there because we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that in a little bit. So you may be thinking, okay, intuition sounds super magical and it sounds like it's giving me the information or explaining to me things that maybe my conscious mind doesn't know, right? So if our subconscious is trying to communicate things to us via our intuition and that information is based on facts and knowledge that we've stored, right? And our subconscious is drawing it up, maybe even trying to protect us. Why do we need to probe any deeper than who our intuition tells you to hire? Okay, I'm going to say two words to give you a big old hint as to why we should still probe deeper. Implicit bias. All right. So we've already accepted this idea that our intuition is based on mental processing that is outside of our awareness and control. So I want to give you like a good example of this, right? Because there are a lot of human processes that occur under the surface. I want you to pay attention to your breath right now. Is it slow or is it fast? Are you breathing a little bit differently now that you're actively thinking about it? And what about your heart rate? How fast are you blinking right now? Do you see like there are all types of physical and mental processes that happen subconsciously without our direct control, but like the physical ones are quite literally keeping us alive. If we had to focus on our breathing all the time, 
we wouldn't be able to focus on other things. I mean, that's why in mindfulness, it helps us to clear our minds by focusing on breathing. Because when you bring something to your conscious mind, it takes up space, right? So our bodies and our mind allows for all types of processes to happen without conscious thought because it frees our mind up to focus on all the things that do need a lot of conscious thought. It's all a trade-off. So here's a really good example that uh, you've probably experienced at least one time or another. So have you seen those posts on Facebook? And they ask you to read a sentence really quickly. And it's super easy, right? But after you read the sentence, the post then prompts you to look back at it a little bit closer. And it's only when you pay super close attention do you realize that there are letters missing in like every word of the sentence. And you didn't even notice. That's because your brain quickly connected the dots for you based on previous information. So you've read pretty much every day of your adolescent, prepubescent, and adult life, right? So it's pretty easy for your brain to recognize word patterns, even if there are letters missing out of the words because you've seen them so much. So this can apply to so many elements of our core processing in our lives. And it's not a bad thing all the time, right? Like it is kind of useful that even if there are some letters missing, you can still make out the intent and the meaning behind the sentence that you're reading. So your brain does that to help you make more efficient decisions. But here's the thing, and this is why I'm bringing up implicit bias. We all have unique experiences and beliefs that we carry with us, and these are also present in our subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind stores everything. The body doesn't lie and it remembers on some level. And sometimes they lead us to hold attitudes, beliefs, or even stereotypes that we don't even realize we hold in our subconscious. So because this is not a conscious decision, because it is not you holding on to biases, attitudes, and stereotypes consciously, That's why we call it implicit bias. It's not explicit, it's implicit, okay? So we all have them. And we can have implicit biases across all types of human characteristics. Age, race, weight, socioeconomic background, language. I mean, the possibilities are quite literally endless here. And there are actually decades, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure like three decades of neurology and cognitive psychology studies that are clearly showing us that implicit biases influence the way we see and treat others, even if we are absolutely determined to be fair and objective, okay? So I want to actually take some of the weight off by saying we all have implicit biases, and it is literally up to Every experience you've ever experienced in your life, the world you live in, the community you live in, what types of people you're exposed to, like all of these things begin aggregating and compiling and uh, shaping our implicit biases from the moment we enter the world. Okay, so I could nerd out, but that is the point there. So why does this matter and what does it have to do with using your intuition to make hiring decisions? You may not like what I'm about to say. But I'm going to call it like it is because that's what I do. I'm your friend. And you could be thinking that you hire fairly by trusting your intuition when in reality, it's implicit bias being masked as your intuition. So stick with me here. 
earlier, we talked about the fact that your intuition is that gut feeling. It's that gut feeling that is coming to you based on all of this subconscious information that your body is communicating to you about, right? It can't help but draw some of its information from implicit biases that you may hold. So let me say that in another way. If your intuition is your body's way of urging you to recognize information that it's storing subconsciously, and implicit biases are information that are stored subconsciously, then irregardless of whether it's um, something you're trying to do or not, your body, your gut, your intuition could be communicating not simply based on past experiences and knowledge and perception, which sometimes it is, it could be pulling from biases that you didn't even know you had, okay? So that does not mean it's intentional on your part, and it does not mean that you mean any harm by it, but Knowledge is power, my friend. And now that you know, this is something to be aware of. So we are going to talk about this as we talk about how you can pair objectivity and intuition in your hiring practices. So you're going to do this to battle that implicit bias that could be masquerading as your intuition. This episode is brought to you by Interact. Remember those BuzzFeed quizzes like, what type of ice cream are you? Yeah, Interact is a tool for creating quizzes just like those, except it also acts as a way for your business to generate leads and build that oh-so-important email list. I use it to host my quiz, What's Your Enneagram Leadership Type? With hundreds of ready-made templates and the option to create unlimited quizzes from scratch, you will literally have hundreds of opportunities to attract the right clients, especially new ones. Don't miss out on this beautiful opportunity to grow your business in a fun and unique way. You can sign up for Interact today by heading on over to the show notes and getting a link to create your first quiz for free right now. That's right. I said it is free 99 to create your first quiz. It doesn't get much better than that. All right, my friends. So we have talked about intuition. We've talked about some of the value of it and how it's really trusting what your subconscious is trying to communicate to you. And we also talked about how that can actually get kind of tangled up with implicit bias, which is an unfortunate reality of being human that we all bring along stereotypes and attitudes and beliefs that were really shaped from the environments that we grew up in. So even if they weren't explicit, they're still implicit and living there up under the surface. And sometimes we do get them confused with trusting our very valid intuition. So we've talked about those things. Now I really want to dive in a bit deeper about how you can balance bringing objectivity to the table during your hiring processes, but also bringing in that intuition that does serve us. So how do we do this as simply as possible as entrepreneurs who have a thousand and one things going on, right? How do we balance being objective and fair with honoring our own intuition? Okay. I want this to be your new mantra. There are three parts to this. One, objectivity. Two, intuition. And three, validation. Again, it's a simple, not sexy mantra, but it's something I want you to remember. One, objectivity. Two, intuition. And three, validation. 
Okay, so first let's start with objectivity. I've been using the word a lot, so what do I mean and how do you incorporate objectivity into your hiring processes? When you are hiring, you want to begin with objectivity. So in practice, let's say you have a few candidates all interviewing for a role being your social media manager, right? I know that everything in like our social norms really tells us like begin the conversation with small talk, like get to kind kind of get to know them before we start diving into the formal stuff. I get it. Like that's what social norms say to do. But if we are really driving up that objectivity, I actually want you to start the conversation off by setting the scene and setting some expectations and really actually trying to limit that small talk. Now, there are some reasons why. Small talk is bringing up some of those really good human bonding elements. So you talk about the weather, you make a joke about your dogs who are barking in the background. Maybe you bring up uh, the newest business book that you've been reading, so on and so forth. So the reason that we bring up stuff like that during small talk is to find common ground and it's to bond. Here's the issue though. Let's say you have a little session of small talk at the beginning of all five of your interviews and the small talk goes better with, let's say, two out of the five. Now, why does it go better? Usually small talk feels a little bit more comfortable and engaging to us when we automatically have a ton in common with the other person. So if from the get-go, your applicants are talking about their puppies and they're talking about that book that you both love, you guys have found really good common ground. That's amazing. But here's the thing. That is not objective. And the issue with that is you are now starting off each of your interviews with the five people on different levels of comfort. And that's going to kind of color the way you perceive the rest of the interview. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a better and more detailed example about this in just a minute. But I want you to think about what it's like to have a really good session of small talk with somebody and then dive into a more business oriented conversation like it feels good. It feels comfortable. And you're going to be like, wow, they interviewed really well. Now, if that small talk didn't go so well, you may go into the next interview with somebody and think that their interview didn't actually go that well, although technically all of the skills, like every meaty, important, job-relevant question you were asking them, they hit it out of the park. But because you didn't have a lot in common with them and you didn't really bond in those initial three or four minutes, you're left feeling a little bit like, "Mm, I don't know. Okay, so I'm going down a path, I'm digressing a little bit, but we're gonna give you a more tangible example of this. So, objectivity. When you are hiring, I want you to start the conversation out again by setting the scene. I want you to lay out what is the actual role? What are some of the common duties of that role? Why are you hiring for this role and how do they fit into the context of your company? And then go ahead and tell them, we're going to be a little bit structured in this interview and I would like to get to know you on a more personal basis, maybe even after the interview. But first, I want to ask you a series of questions just to get a better understanding of how you could be a good fit for this role and for my business. Okay? Excellent. So when you do this, you're going to be able to uncover, does this person have the skill set you're looking for, the experience and the references? Uh, In addition to the actual interview, you can even look at some objective things like, 
Who wrote you a really thoughtful message or cover letter that went with their resume or application? You see what I'm saying? So look at the elements that don't have to do with like what you have in common with somebody. Look at the elements that have to do specifically with the role that you are hiring them for. So again, check out their resume, check out their references, check out their experiences, ask them open-ended questions about um, the technology that they work with, ask them open-ended questions about the past businesses that they've supported in that capacity being a social media manager. You see what I'm saying? So think about those elements first before you start bringing in some of those personality components and those feel-good components. All right, so we have covered starting with objectivity. Now, there is room for your intuition. So if first is objectivity, second is intuition. So I do want to give you permission to honor your intuition. But I want to tell you, do not be afraid to question it. So what do I mean? Let's stick with the example of interviewing a bunch of candidates to be your social media manager, right? So earlier we talked about you interviewed five and let's say two of them, you did have a bit of small talk at the end of the interview. And three of them, you also had a bit of small talk, but their skills and their actual objective experiences weren't top notch, right? So we can go ahead and knock them out of the running. So you're left with two social media manager candidates. Now, interestingly enough, you may be thinking, well, wait, let's use the name Ashley. So you may be thinking, wait, I know Ashley doesn't have as much experience or even technical skill as Taylor has, but there is something about Ashley that I love. Okay, if you can't operationalize, so if you can't break down for me what it is about Ashley that you love that is job relevant, chances are you're basing that feeling on something in your intuition. Your gut is telling you that Ashley feels like a good fit. I don't want you to completely dismiss that. It is valid that you are sensing something in Ashley, the candidate, that you can't quite put your finger on. But I'm going to challenge you, you know I love challenging you, to pause and dig a little bit deeper. What is it about Ashley are you sensing? Is it just the fact that when you you all had a little bit of small talk, you bonded over your puppies and found out that she also loves your favorite book? I mean, how much does that information actually make her more qualified for the job? It's really easy to get along with somebody when we're bonding over our similarities, right? Now, on the flip side, you could be sensing a really great attitude or Ashley's genuine love for your industry, and that's coming through in the way she's communicating to you. Now, if that is the reason that you feel like, I don't know, Ashley just feels like a much better fit, that could actually help her uh, succeed in the role and truly be better in the job. So do you see the difference there? Like, you could be like, ooh, I love Ashley. But if you take a second and pause, you could remember, wait a second, am I just saying that because we both have puppies and love this book? Or you could say, I love Ashley's attitude about when she talked about, you know, her social media strategies and how they're not just about the metrics, but they're about really bonding and serving your audience, right? That is a different thing that you observed and your intuition is not wrong for pointing that out. So these are just little questions, little uh, opportunities that you can just test your own intuition and question it like, 
I loved Ashley, but why? You see what I'm saying? Okay, let's think about candidate number two, Taylor. I'm naming her Taylor. So maybe y'all didn't get a chance to have as much small talk as you did with Ashley. And Taylor had a really great experience, really great technical skill, and she was really nice and personable, but like you just don't feel as connected to her. So again, if that's what your gut is telling you, like, I don't feel as connected to Taylor as I do Ashley. I want you to think about Taylor and I want you to consider, is it, do I just not feel connected because we didn't have that opportunity to bond on a personal level? Because if that is the root of why your intuition is telling you no to Taylor, the reality is if you had an opportunity to bond with her a little bit more, chances are you're going to be able to find commonalities that will serve your relationship and bring you guys closer together. And remember, earlier I said Taylor is actually more technically qualified and has the skills that your business needs. Now, if Taylor was super dry and didn't seem to have any sort of ambition or like positive attitude towards the industry, so maybe she didn't talk about social media and the way that it enables you to really serve your audience with the same passion and commitment as Ashley did, your intuition picked up on that and that's valid. But again, don't be scared to question your intuition. Why do you feel the way you feel? Why is your gut telling you? Just take a second and pause and question it. Alrighty, so number three, we followed our mantra of starting with objectivity, introducing and honoring our intuition, but not being afraid to question it. And now we are moving into validation. So validation simply means finding the proof to validate what we feel like we are seeing, right? So If your decision between Taylor and Ashley, right, if you're really going to base the final decision on your gut feeling, it is so critical here that we validate it. And I really touched on this when I was speaking about honoring your intuition, but questioning it, right? So when you started questioning it, you were trying to decide, hmm, is it simply our similarities, our commonalities that make me feel better about Ashley? Or is it the energy and motivation and love that she used when describing what her role in my business could be, right? And on the flip side, is it really the fact that Taylor and I don't seem to have much in common? Or maybe was she a little bit dry and not that excited about the role in comparison to Ashley? So you've asked yourself those questions, but now you truly need to validate it, okay? So you have got to find the proof that tells you whether you were right in feeling that one was more equipped than the other or one was more excited than the other and vice versa. Because asking yourself, you know, checking in on your intuition is really good, but validating it means taking it a step further. And this is really, really worth it again if you're deciding between who's actually going to join your business, right? That's a big deal. So what do I say to people who are stuck in a decision and really need to validate their gut feeling uh, so that they don't just go with their intuition without really testing it? I tell them to consider having a second round of interviews. So that could be jumping on the phone again, asking a few follow-up questions. And if that doesn't feel like it's going to get to it, another option could be having both of your candidates, so in this example, Ashley and Taylor, do like a pre-employment project. 
So it could literally be worth you paying both of your candidates a small amount of money to complete a tester project. So it's not going to go to waste. You, it could be just a smaller project that they can complete in a day or two, right? And it could really be worth just paying them both a small amount of money to do this project and then track how the experience was with each of them. So if you know that it felt like Ashley was more uh, animated and excited about the prospect of joining you as your social media manager, and Taylor looked like she really brought that level of skill and technicality and expertise, then as you're tracking the way that they complete this little project, keep that in mind and see if you're actually seeing observable proof that validates what your intuition was telling you about each of them. So it could really be that your intuition sensed that Ashley was really more enthusiastic, although she wasn't familiar with some of the programs you use, but Maybe you picked up on the fact that her enthusiasm led her to being a really quick study because she just cared so much. So when she completes this project, there's a good chance she could really knock it out of the park. On the other hand, remember we talked about implicit bias, right? So if you're trying to convince yourself that like, my intuition is telling me that Ashley is just really awesome, but your intuition was really your implicit bias in disguise. When Ashley does this test, you're going to be able to see it. You're going to be able to call it out. And honestly, your intuition could get proven wrong because it could have been implicit bias in disguise. And that is a blessing. It is much better to realize like, no, I was really resting on the fact that me and her got along really well. And this wasn't actually my intuition telling me some something deeper than that and you know what that's okay like at least I figured it out and I, I still really like the girl but honestly Taylor is a better fit and maybe Taylor comes in and now that she's given a bit more time to do this project you realize that although you guys didn't connect over your puppies in the book a bit earlier now you guys are actually finding things to talk about so working with her is becoming to be more enjoyable it just took a little bit longer. And guess what? She's got the skills that your business needs, so it is a good situation. So remember, if you need a quick reference to make sure that you are balancing your objectivity and intuition, I want you to remember, start with objectivity, honor your intuition, but validate any of your decisions. All right, my friend? So there you have it. That is how you can still honor your intuition without succumbing to that slippery slope of implicit bias in disguise. Now, when hiring, again, always start with objective measures, resumes, references, testimonials, and their answers to your open-ended interview questions. Take note of what your intuition is telling you, honor it, but never be afraid to question it. And if your intuition is the driving force behind a hiring decision, always make sure you validate it by testing it either with another round of interviews or maybe even a small project. It is better to be thorough when we are talking about hiring new employees and building your dream team, my friend.